This is the Employee to Entrepreneur podcast, the show for the family man who aspires to entrepreneurship. So if you're a young dad who's looking to escape the nine to five, escape the rat race, you're in the right place. I made the show for you because I am you. I am your host, Brendan Ryan. And today I'm joined by my broker, Matt, who is a true guru when it comes to the real estate space. He's got his broker license. He's a realtor. He does short-term rental stuff, long-term rental stuff. You name it. The guy has been in the game for over a decade. And I'm very excited to have him on the podcast because I've actually had some requests for somebody to come on and talk real estate. And it's surprising that I haven't had that yet. So finally, glad to be able to bring this to you guys because he's going to lay down the sauce. I'm going to ask him questions about how much time commitment it takes an aspiring dadpreneur to be able to do this, what kind of capital requirements, etc. So without further ado, here's Matt. So Matt, can you tell the, the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do, how you got there? Yeah. Um, so on my socials to go by my broker, Matt, um, I am I'm a longtime real estate guy. I've been in real estate for 12 years now. Um, and I, uh, I, I feel like I want to tell people, I want to tell people a little bit about the history because a lot of people think I, I was kind of an overnight success, but I assure you me and most people are not. Um, my name came up a lot in the last two years. Um, I, I kind of gained a, a little bit of traction because um, I got heavy into the short-term rental game. Um, actually, I actually have 31 now, which is kind of an abnormal high for owned versus, you know, people, a lot of people do arbitrage where you rent it, but I actually bought these. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of where a lot of my my focus has been for my STR legend mastermind and people wanting to learn from me, things like that. If they want to buy properties with me, if they need a mortgage that we're going to get into a rabbit hole on all of that, I assure you. Uh, but <laughs> generally speaking, you know, this, this experience comes from 12 years ago when I started in mortgages and I started watching what all these people that I was giving mortgages to were doing. And I saw a bunch of rentals on their tax returns and I was like, what are these guys up to? This doesn't make sense. How do they have so many houses? And as I paid more and more attention to it, and I finally bit the bullet and jumped in, things took off pretty quickly. So that's that's kind of the quick overview. So now what I'm doing is I'm teaching, helping people buy properties, usually even helping them set up with their first short-term rentals, mm-hmm. mid-term rentals. We're kind of doing a combination mm-hmm. of all of that. Um, and uh, that's 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 the overall gist of what we're doing now. So 31 rentals, man. Dang, that is crazy. So how long have you been in this game? I, it's, I, it's 51 rentals, actually. It's 31 or short term. Oh, 50. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. But yeah, my, it became my focus is short, short and midterms, technically. Um, but I, it started, my first rental was probably eight years ago. Um, and I bought that one for, I think, I think it was, it was either 58 or 60. I get the, I don't I know, I'm kind of. It's one of those, but it wasn't, it wasn't a bad buy at all. It was doing, I was doing long-term on that about 1100 month, $1,100 a month in rent. And, um, it's funny cause just this last year we converted that to a short-term rental. Um, and I was looking at the numbers for July cause you know, here are August 10th. Um, I think we did 38 or 3,900 gross on that one. So comparatively to the acquisition price, it's making really great money. Um, and we have a lot of other properties that are doing that or more, but it's been, it's been really interesting. You know, when I, I was kind of telling you about how, when I started in mortgages, 
Um, I started, I think I, th- I think I, my starting salary was like 35, 36,000, um, with chances for commission. So it was, it was not, it was nothing glamorous. It was base mm-hmm. entry level job. Right. And when we got going, I, I became friends with somebody named Vanessa and Vanessa was like, Hey, you know, I think, I think you can get to my level. Um, she was an underwriter, full underwriter. I, I got hired as a junior. Um, and she was like, you know, if you kick but I think I can help you get here in less than five years and you'll be making six figures. And I said, no way. You know, the Wolf of Wall Street, you know, when, when he's like, show me that check and I'll quit my job and come work for you. Like that's pretty much yeah. what happened. She showed me a check where she made about 10,000 in a month working at Quicken Loans. And I was like, I guess she can do it. I trust her. I'm going to do that. She was my first coach, I guess you could say. <laughs> so I, uh, I went for it and I, 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 I was a fraternity guy back in college. Uh, I was like, I'm going to pledge. I'm going to pledge everything. I'm going to go all in on this thing. And sure enough, uh, within six months, I was making six figures. Um, I had my first check come in that was on the six-figure mark. I got promoted. Uh, I got promoted two or three times that year. And it was kind of just just took off. And at that point, we started the rental game. After my first rental, um, the one I was just telling you about on Townley, um, we got our second and uh, we're like, oh, this this worked too. I'm, apparently, I not only have bought one successfully, two. I'm starting to develop a pattern of success, right? And I got my third one, and I was like, okay, now I'm able to duplicate my successive pattern. And before I knew it, I was at five, then ten, and then fifteen, and uh, then around twenty, I think, is when I got my first short-term rental. And it just kind of that that blew my mind. I did not expect. Because, you know, long-term rentals, you know, at first I was buying, I bought the first two cash and then I had to go into mortgages and I thought that was going to be hard and scary and I got really good at mortgages and, and then we started, you know, really focusing on that because the benefit of mortgages is, A, it's a leverageable, it makes, it's like the, own, buying rentals is the only leverageable asset where you can get like yeah. consistent lent money to you and create value. If you know how to create an income producing right. asset, you can get it leveraged, and not only is it leveraged, it's a tax write-off. The, the mortgage interest, mm-hmm. all that's a tax write-off. Even if you have a property management company, that's a tax write-off. Every repair is a tax write-off. And just to give you an idea, by the time I, I actually got fired um, at Quicken, got fired for something that they never fire people for, and I started realizing that I was only one of many. Um, in the next 60 days, a lot of big wigs, high-income earners all got fired, and I was like, Oh, so it's not, it's not a me thing. This, the thing that normally people get just a, a finger wagging at, like I, we're, we're all getting fired for the finger wagging level stuff. So we're, we're cutting the fat, right? All the expensive people, the hogs are getting slaughtered. Right. So I was like, all right, well, no, I don't feel so bad, but it fired me up. It really got me focused. I started buying more and more rentals because I started thinking I was good at this. Um, I had my, got my real estate license in between all of that. And that really helped accelerate things. Um, and shortly after, um, I started, uh, my own real estate brokerage, started teaching real estate. Uh, now I've got over 60 agents that I teach real estate to, and two years, just over two years ago, I started a mortgage company. Um, so now we do lending for people too. We just said, Hey, you know what, if, if there's other companies that can't do it at the level we can, we'll make our own. And that's, and now thank you for letting me on the show, by the way, because I know you only let dad speak and I'm a week and a half dad now. So thank you. <laughs> I know. I was going to bring that up that you're a brand new dad. Oh, a brand like new a dad. Brand new. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so how's the dad life treating you? Oh man. So far. Honestly, um, shout out to the ladies, man. I, I, and especially the single parent, uh, parents out there. I, I don't know how you guys do it. Um, these ladies can take on and handle so much. Um, I'm so lucky. My wife's been just a superstar. Um, a, a true, a true su- superhero, I would say. Um, I don't know how she is standing. You know, I, I get woken up. You get some of the ancillary challenge of that. If you're, you know, you can still feed and change. I don't know how many diapers a day. Uh, but right. beyond that, the mo- the biggest stress is on them. And I have a whole new level of respect for that. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Though. Giving I feel, birth. I feel, the, it's yeah. intense, man. Oh man. Yeah. I was, it's funny. Uh, the, all my friends were asking me, are you going to be there? Are you going to watch? And I was like, no, I'm not going to, that's, that's not my thing. And then the, the doctor was like, do this, do that. Be good. I'm like, Oh my God. So I got fully pulled into the situation and I was like, but it was funny, man, you know, and, and I know I probably won't have a lot of people that agree on this, but, um, for me, as much as I think, you know, even the ladies, they say, you know, I don't want you to be around that. You know, I want you to remember me as me and all you get all right. that conversation. Um, I think it was good. I think it was really good to be pulled into it because it made me appreciate and respect even more what they're going through. Um, and, you know, I don't know, I felt even more care and concern for making sure she gets back up on her feet and really trying to make sure she's fed, taking time for herself, things like that. So I'm, I'm, yeah. as much as I didn't love visually experiencing it, I, I appreciated what it did for our relationship and my depth of understanding. So that's been good. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, man, it, it's hard on, on their body for sure. It can be, Sometimes it can be quite traumatic, you know? So yeah, absolutely. And speaking of your wife, is your wife involved in the real estate business? Excellent question. Um, so my wife, um, when we got together, she was on her way to pharmacy school. She did finish. She became a pharmacist. Um, and she did well, you know, she did really well. And it's funny. We, you know, we were like two complete opposites for so long. Uh, where every time I go to my real estate things, she was like, oh my God, another one of these, I don't want to hear it, blah, 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 blah. And then when I go to her pharmacy things, just because I'm so interested in like understanding everything, I, I jump into conversations about drugs and like pharmacy and business. And I, I could, I'm kind of adaptable in that sense. I loved it, but she was not really open as much on the real estate side until she <laughs> finally agreed to get a real estate license that she made a little bit of money with some sales. And then uh, in the last two and a half years, I said, hey, would you mind helping me with the management side on helping manage some of these, these uh, Airbnbs? And she said, I don't know. I, I think I'll be bad at it. I was like, I don't think so. You're pretty detail-oriented. I think I think you care enough to do a good job. And I think you'll be fine. She's, no, no, no. I, I think that I was like, give it a go. If you, if you don't do well, I'll take it back from you. And oh my God, best thing I ever did because not only did she do an excellent job, she did such a great job that she quit her job in November and she does this full time now. Um, wow. So literally less than two years, she was able to leave her job. And now we've actually helped her build a co-hosting and furnishing uh, and design company. So now we like people will call us and go, hey, we need this property um, designed and furnished. We'll do that. Hey, we want you to help manage our, S- our short term rentals or midterm rentals. We do that. Um, and if they call her and they go, Hey, we want you to help us buy a property. She just sends them over to me. So now we're like this full one-stop shop situation and the people that just want to learn it all, if they want coaching, they can come to us and we both teach now. So it's, we kind of have it all figured out at this point. It's been, that's been pretty cool. 
So she went from employee to entrepreneur then. Yeah. From being a pharmacist to and, working and she, in the real estate. She had it even worse than me because she had to make the decision to leave. I got, I got kicked on my butt, you know, I was like, boom, deal with it. And I was like, and for me, like, you know, I'm, I, I'm a fighter by nature, just growing up, I grew up pretty rough. I was like a, a true Detroit native. Like it was, we got, I think we got robbed 19 times in my life. And I was adding it up and wow. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is so <laughs> <It's> ridiculous. <laughs> like, 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 you, you know, you've been robbed a lot as a kid when you come out and you see your car is gone and you just start clapping. Cause you're like, I was just out here two minutes ago. So you stole this car in less than two minutes. I'm just damn, I was just impressed at that point. I was like, I don't even know, man, that's a record. So yeah, we, wow. we had a new appreciation for car theft, house theft. Last time we got robbed was Christmas Eve. I think I was like, 15. Oh man. Yeah. It took everything. That's brutal. It was man. People are, wow. It's crazy. Cause like, I think also seeing what so much, so much like pain and like the lack of knowledge did to so many people in the community we grew up with. I really think that it just, it, they just, it keeps them in a box that they think that this is the only thing that they can do to, to get ahead. I really think it's an education mm. and like, um, circle issue, like get into better circles, be around people that are doing bigger and better things. And I'm sure like, if you're just like you've probably experienced and had many of your calls, you know, when you're providing value and you're giving people an opportunity, the ones that are ready to stand to the, the opportunity, they will. And the ones that aren't, they're going to give every reason why they can't be successful. And that is what it is. And I've been there, trust me, like my decision to get my first, uh, rental, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm just going to go do it now. Like I, I kept for like two years, I was on bigger pockets. I was like watching people. I was reading all these things. I was watching my other friends start and me just sit there in the sidelines. And I was like, dude, what are you doing, man? You're, 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 it's unlikely you're going to really wreck this. You're a smart guy. Like, but I still had those normal human fears, right? Like, what if I screw this up? And even in the first few months when it was working, I was like, shoot, what if I screw this up? I'm like, what's going to, what am I going to screw up? You know, like, just start so trusting. Did you have a moment where you realized like that you are on the sidelines and that you wh like, what did it for you that made you actually start taking action? That's a great question. I think my buddy, Chad, um, he, uh, he had bought, he told me he started buying some properties. He's mo he mostly buying in Detroit, which I didn't love because I didn't love like the grade level. And I had, I had other issues with Detroit just growing up. So I was like watching mm -hmm. him like do his thing. And I, and he, like one after another, he gets, he's like, I got another one. I got another one. And I was like, I started feeling like jealous. And I was like, and I like feeling like, oh my God, like this guy just keeps going. He's buying one of the riskiest city assets you can buy and he's having success. And I'm like, I'm trying to buy, if he's buying D level properties, I'm trying to buy C's and B's. And why, why should I be worried at this point? So I think by his like ninth or 10th property, I said, screw this, I'm buying something. And so I did, it worked, bought my second thing, it worked. And honestly, even up to my first five properties, I'd say the only thing that was most scary or damaging was just the fact that I waited too damn long. And I think almost everybody in business in real estate, even, you know, but together or otherwise, um, exclusive, everyone says start sooner. Right. And, you know, and, mm. and just bet on yourself. If you're not like, take a look, you know, anybody listening, take a look at yourself. If you think you're generally a smart person, you've made a lot of good decisions. You can spot bad decisions. You're probably ready. You're probably ready. 
And if you, if you're unsure, you know, seek out coaching, seek out people that have done it in your, in your area, your field and go for it. And cause honestly, like going back to the dadpreneur situation, um, when I was at Quicken, I, I think my highest earnings year was like 260 and that was great. You know, two quarter million a year. Yeah. Most people can do five, yeah. quarter. but when I looked at what I paid in taxes, it was almost 80 grand. And when I realized that was almost a third of the year, I realized I gave a third of the year to the government and I got kind of pissed. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Because I was working 70 hours a week, you know, and I was like, I, I never had any, I was, I was not afraid to be the hardest working person in the room. And honestly, like at Quicken, there's so many hardworking people. Like, honestly, they bust their ass. I'm not trying to shoot Quicken. Quicken produced a lot of great people. No question. They find great people, great talent, but these great hardworking people, it's not just Quicken. It's United Wholesale. I used to work there too. All these mortgage companies, all these, every industry has these people, right? But given that, it's like you, you're willing to put all your time and energy into somebody else's company. And it's the true badasses at these companies that could probably go out and crush it on their own and have like a nearly 90 to 100% shot of success. They did a study. I, I posted about it. I think it was like 84% of people that start their first business are successful. And that means like... Hmm. What, wow. like, what is that? 16% then are unsuccessful. So I think if you're generally a sharp tool, a sharp person, you know, uh, then I think you should be able to be on that higher end. Right. So I think that a lot of the people that are considering making that move or getting deeper in their moves, they really need to just go, you know, close down everything. No, no social, no conversation, write down what you're strong at, write down what you suck at, the things you suck at, hand that off to somebody that can do it well, pay them. I know it sounds scary, but every time I was afraid to hire somebody and I finally pulled the trigger, even though it hurt momentarily, best decisions I ever made, I was able to go focus on the things that I was actually great at and keep asking, you know, keep, you know, improving those sides of, of the business to the point where we have, we've created pretty significant success and like, you know, I'm, I pl our plan is to retire within the next two years. So that's wow. you kind know, of where we're nice. at. Congrats, just, man. Yeah, man. She'll be two. Um, <laughs> yeah. Your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 38. So it's not like I'm a 20 something year old, you know, you know, kid, but this is 12 years of, of learning and trying. And it's funny. I was telling my wife this the other day, that first property that, that one I was just telling you about that turned into three businesses, right? It turned, it was long-term rentals. Then it turned into a short-term rental. Then it turned into a co-hosting company, which is what my, my wife now runs. So it's like that decision to make one investment in a property, in a, in a, an, a business type that I was pretty sure would work. It created so much knowledge and opportunity that it actually helped me retire my, well, my, well, help my wife quit her main job. So now she's able to stay at home handle everything digitally, take care of us better. And, you know, on top of that, like we get to work together more in hand in hand in it and it didn't hurt our relationship. It strengthened it. I mean, there, there's, don't get me wrong. That's we have amazing. our days. That's the dream, man. Yeah. That's the dream. That's for what, what any like aspiring dadpreneur I think out there is trying to do is exactly that. Like so many of them, it's about family. Like that's what the motivation is. Like you want to retire your wife, you want to be able to spend time, more time with your kids or, like leave a legacy and all that kind of stuff. So, man, you're right there. That's a, that's awesome to have somebody that's like bas basically at the finish line. You're like right there. You know, you're two years away from retiring. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm happy for you, man. Congrats. Thank you, man. It, 
I, I appreciate that. Again, for all you guys like listening, like it's not, this is 12 years. And that's what some people yeah, go, oh man, you just had so much success. I'm like, dude, we, we worked a lot of 80 hour works, work, work weeks. You know, this is not like, mm -hmm. oh, we just did the 40 hours. No, like it's true. It's true. Like we had time to go, like if I want to run to the gym at two, I could, if I want to go at 10, at 10 AM, I could, but in between all that, even while I'm there, sometimes I'm taking calls, sometimes I'm taking texts. No, I'm not the jerk holding up the machine. I'm off the machine when I'm doing it. Uh, but yeah. like, that's one of my rules. You got to be off the machine. Um, you, or you get to answer. You have 10 seconds to answer in between sets, and that's it. Um, but it's so cool. Now I've had a lot of friends, family that have started to do this. I've taught them how to do it, and now they're starting to see it. Uh, one of my buddies just bought his second Airbnb with us, and he's like, he's stoked because the first one, He's making like 2,500 net per month. And he's like, dude, he's a pharmacist wow. actually. Um, but he's just like, he's excited. Got, got a couple engineer engineers and, and doctors. It just seemed to like flow into my circle. I don't know what that is. You don't have to be that. <laughs> um, got a couple, few military guys too. Um, they, they, he's doing really well too. It's, it's so interesting to see what you attract into your world and like who's open to these opportunities. Um, but I think when it comes to dadpreneuring, um, if you can handle and raise a child, you could probably raise a business. <laughs> uh, like uh, you're raising a healthy, like well, well-rounded individual, you could probably figure out the business too. <laughs> yeah, I like to say that you know, r raising a kid, being a father, is is really tough. It's really uh, it's. It's uh, it changes you. It forces you to grow up if you haven't already. And then starting a business and being an entrepreneur is also um, very much a journey of self-improvement and self-discovery, et cetera. So I think it, it takes a special kind of crazy for people to try to do both at the same time, um, especially when you're, you're starting them both at the same time or, you know, they're running pretty concurrently. Um, but I was going to ask you, you know, since this show is for aspiring dadpreneurs, if somebody was interested in, in doing real estate, um, what would you recommend they start in? Because it, it sounds like you've gotten, you've had, you've done everything. You've done a long-term rentals, short-term rentals, all kinds of stuff. So what would be your favorite to, if somebody was looking to get their feet wet in real estate, where would you point them? You know, um, I got a video coming out about the long-term versus short-term when, where to start, why you would do one versus the other. That'll be on YouTube pretty soon. Um, but that probably like in a week. Um, but my general answer is it comes down to what your needs and wants are, um, what your capacity is. I think if your goal is to get running and really make money fast, short-term rentals is amazing. Oh my goodness. Like if, if I could get everybody to have five to 10, you know, STRs in the next two years, trust me, you're going to be cranking some real, real cash flow. And at that point, you can pivot. You can do other types of investment types because you know. Let's let's say you're averaging twenty five hundred per month. At four, you're at ten grand, right? So you double that, twenty grand. Like there's so many ways where, and even if, let's just say let's say it was, let's say it was two grand on average per, of net per property, right? And you did do ten, still twenty grand. Twenty grand. What can't you really do? Like I, I don't like I know, I know Cardone was talking about like. If you're a father and you don't make 400,000 a year, you should be ashamed. That's mental to me. I have no idea why anybody needs 400 or more to be considered doing decent. Um, but trust me, once you're making 200 plus a year, 
what there's not much you can't do. What what trips can't you afford? What dinners can't you afford? Um, I mean, I I was there for for years and I was paying out almost eighty grand in taxes. So even if you're netting one fifty, like you're probably going to be in a good spot. Aside from living in like I don't know New York, the Bay Area, maybe San Diego. I don't know. Um, my point is, get your cash flow up as fast as possible. And there's so many ways you can do that. You can leverage that. You can get, there's 10% down payment loans. Let's say you're buying um, a $250,000 property, down payments, 10%, 25 grand. So yes, there is a down payment component to these things, but let's say you got a partner and you split that. Now you're at 12 and a half and 12 and a half. That's to buy the property. Plus you need, let's call it another 10 grand in closing costs. You got to split that. It's another five grand. So 17 and a half a person. Then you have furnishing costs. At that point, maybe maybe it's another 15, it's another seven and a half. Like, yeah, it adds up, don't get me wrong, but your cash flow is just, it's usually 3x that of what a long-term cash flow would be. So while there might be the extra cost of the furnishing up front and the setup, and maybe you suck at design, you suck at all that, you can hire that out, we'll do it, we can help you guys with that stuff too. Um, but that's okay, because that's where the ROI is made. It's a hospitality industry. And I think once you're doing that, you make a lot of, you get into a habit of creating that first property. But whatever you do, um, don't worry about making your first property great. Make sure it's a good buy. A lot of people say, you know, focus on make the, the only buy if it's great. But the truth is, most of the great buys are going to get beat out at the table because there's going to be sharks out there. They're going to come out there. They know what they're ready to buy. They're, they're okay with a little extra risk. They'll pay a premium or they'll pay it in cash. Um, and they're going to beat you out with your leveraged, you know, uh, mortgage payment, mortgage option, right? So you need to just get in there and get a good deal. If you get a good deal, even if it's a, say your first deal makes you fifteen hundred net per month, that's still good. It's still good. It's going to help you. That's so great. Yeah, 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 for sure, man. Like, but these opportunities are present. I know one guy. Um, and a lot of people think you have to be all at half million dollars, million dollars for your property, vacation rentals. No, you can be inner city, man. I'm telling you, um, probably 70% of my portfolio is like metro city dense, dense areas. Um, you can do it at airports, near hospitals, good city, good like high-end cities. I got um, some... Some of my properties are in higher end areas where people are always building new or doing additions. And so what I'm getting now is I'm getting people that are, hey, we want to, we're doing an addition or we're building a new house. So they're at my house for nine months at like six to eight grand a month. I'm just, my mortgage payment's like three on some of those. I don't have a problem with that. Like you can, so I'm telling you guys, some people make 10K months on these short-term rentals. And that's what's so incredible about this, like at this asset. Yes, there can be regulations, but don't be afraid of regulations. If they have licensing available, go for it. Get the license, get grandfathered in. Um, and if not, um, focus on the midterm rental space. A lot of people think that the midterms, which means 30 days longer, 30 days or longer, but less than a year. Um, even at that point, you're skirting the short-term regulations of most cities, meaning that they won't give you any flack. And B, you have less cleaning fees. So your actual overhead for cleaning it is that for managing it is even less. When you have short-term stays, they're staying, you know, three to seven times of turnovers per month. And that cleaning cost really adds up. That could turn into, you yeah. know, a thousand dollar monthly bill. And trust me, that's why like once you get the midterm stays, it gets pretty exciting. And again, we're we're really focusing focusing in on that. We're working with insurance companies. We're working with relocation companies now. Uh, I have one of my buddies. He does crash pads 
where he connects with all the airlines. If you're close to like an airport, um, you buy a property, get a nice property, real nice hang style thing, like where it's almost hotel-ish, but hostel-like. And what happens is the, uh, the pilots, the stewardess, um, they'll come rent and they'll pay $500 a bed. So you can buy a four-bedroom house, put four beds. Uh, you can do twins, actually. Um, you can do four uh, bunk bed twins. Um, you can do four beds in each one. And four be- in four bedrooms, that's 16, right? 16 at $500 per bed gets rented at a midterm stay. What's that income at? You know, that becomes pretty substantial. And at that point, people are just raking it in. I, if you're not taking advantage of this asset while it's available, I'm sorry, I'm totally ranting right now. Um, I, <laughs> I am passionate about this, but it's because, yeah. you know, I grew up rough, man. Like if I had the opportunities or had somebody to like really show me that way, I, who knows how much further along I'd be today. Right. And it's like, I, I think for like you kind of encouraging these dads out there, anybody listening, you non dads, maybe lady dads, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we never know who's listening. Um, they're, there are opportunities available to all of us. And I think that if you're not taking advantage of that and you're not trying to do your best in whatever venue, whether it's real estate or otherwise, like you're really losing the opportunity. And that brings me to my final point, which is going back to the employment situation. I was paying 80 grand in taxes by the, by the end of my tenure. And again, as a time value, that's a third of the year that I did not get to work for myself. And now I pay less than 10% in taxes and I make more. So when you look at it like that, how much more net income I have available, I'm able to pay my mom to help with like raising my, my, my kid. I'm able to help my brother, like with a few other things that he needs help with. And, you know, everybody that needs help, if I need to hire some people, if I need to help build a friend's business, I do it. But that's, that becomes my charitable work, right? People that whenever I see those GoFundMes or it's like somebody in my circle that needs something, I can do that now. And I don't, I don't have to bat an eye and go, sweet, I get to help this person out. Thank you for making the good decisions you did, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities you did. Now I can go give back. So that's my, my, yeah, absolutely. my vibe has changed. I'm a lot more philanthropic in the last year two years really. Um, and that's, that's awesome. That's what I want to do. I want to give back. I want, I want people to know that you need to bet on yourself. Trust me, if a kid from Detroit that's been robbed, like I did, um, can be resilient enough to keep doing this, like you can too, you definitely can. So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you recommend, uh, somebody to start with, like an aspiring dadpreneur to start with would be short term rentals to get their cash flow up. Is that right? Oh Yeah. I think okay, and so to that point is short term rentals like you kind I think you kind of hit on this, but with short term rentals like location is in, very important with that right like you want to be like you were talking about kind of near an airport or like inner city something that like people might travel to right so and this is where I think everything gets crazy because if you talk there's so many people all these experts right these gurus blah 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 blah. Um, I am. I do think having intentional location is valuable. I think that's what you want. You want intention. You want to understand that it's it's somewhere you would travel or find use and and validation for you as well. Um, Because Mm -hmm. like I've had one of my partners, um, she bought a vacation rental on a lake. It's a 50 acre lake, which if you know how big that is, that's a pond. It's a freaking big pond. And, and I, and it was in an area where I think the town population is a thousand people. So it's in the boonies. There's nothing calling to you about that city, but what she did 
was she made it such a cool spot that when you find it on a map or you see the marketing pop up for Airbnb, you go, damn, I got to go there. So this, I'm going to give you what I'm doing is I'm giving you a couple of examples where location doesn't necessarily matter. So she picked a, a lakefront that's a, no, nobody, no normal people would call that a lake. But she made it so attractive of a stay that people wanted to stay there. And she, I think she's grossing over $100,000 a year and she bought it for three hundred. dollars So it's like when you, you know, let's say $8,000 on average per month coming in and her mortgage payment is $2,500. That's pretty good. So she did that. Um, I bought a property in a city um, in Metro Detroit that's kind of like, it's kind of a quiet town. It's called Wyandotte. Um, and it's like, there's nothing really calling to it. It's got, it's got a little, little river walk area, but that's about it. But there's no hotels. There's no motels, nothing that you'd want to stay at anyway. So I said, you know what, I'm going to create a nicer, more private situation. And that's what I did. I, I made a short-term rental there. It did well. Um, and then there's a couple other cities. There's one in kind of a rougher neighborhood. I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. I just want to see what happens. Things started making four grand a month. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, how is this making $4,000 a month? That's crazy. My point here is I looked at, uh, if you're looking at the density of the cities and it's like, it exceeds a certain threshold, I think you're going to have a good chance of going there, especially if you're within 20, 30 minutes of a bunch of like half decent things like airports, hospitals, decent schools, maybe a zoo. I think that in terms of that location, like element, that's good. But if you're, even when you're like 40 minutes away, you can make money. This one guy... Um, this is Michigan. This is what we can do with Michigan people, right? <laughs> we can do the, the mitten, but like up here in the thumb area, um, he, it's pretty much only like the big wind turbine. Um, it's like a bunch of those in farms. It's all there is. There's nothing to really visit there unless you're on the lakefront. But this guy started buying up all these hundred thousand dollar properties. And why? Because every, all the, all the, the guys that work for the windmill, uh, the wind turbine uh, company, whenever they have to service them, they rent them out for 30 days at a, t- at a time. And he's making like Boku money on these things just because like there's no other place for them to stay because it's nowheresville. So you could be in literally the most unknown towns. You can be in the busiest towns. You can be lakefront. You could be non-lakefront. There's so many opportunities and like more than likely wherever you are, you're one or two cities away from something that could probably, if not your main city, where you can be successful. I, I promise you that. You do not have to be on in Miami, you don't have to be in Disneyland, Disney World. You don't have to be in California. You don't have to be in Nashville, Vegas. You can be anywhere. So as long as you're willing to be creative and invest a little bit in the property, you can make it attractive as a short-term rental. Then absolutely, absolutely. Okay. You know, and so find those markers that still seem like reasons you'd want to. There would be need to use those places, but I've seen enough outlier data where you would you would have thought this guy was crazy and he and or even my partner was crazy and they both were successful in situations nobody would have bet on including myself so in the in the cases where you've seen people not be successful what do you think people are getting wrong like what's the most um common mistake you see out of newbies trying to get into the airbnb thing i love that question a lot of people go hey matt um tell me the best area the best property to buy and i'll go hey Listen, I could tell you and I will tell you, but you'll probably screw it up because the thing that most people fail to do is still be a, the best host or they get cheap on design. They get cheap on just being a hospitality focused industry. And that's the thing. Like you could have 
in, in one of my home, my old hometown, um, I had a few properties that I started after some other people, after I already saw some data and I was like, okay, this guy's been doing 60,000 a year on this property, but the pictures weren't very good. Um, the amenities kind of looked lacking. I mean, there was no real amenities. It's just a house. That's all it was. And I said, you know what? I think I can make a better experience, something that makes you want, maybe a, a, I did a theme stay. I did a Marvel theme actually in Michigan. And they're like, dude, that's stupid. Nobody's, nobody cares about Marvel in Michigan. I was like, I don't care about Marvel in Michigan, but there's plenty of people that love Marvel. So I was like, I'm going to try it. I want to go for it. So I did an Avengers theme and people said, that's still stupid. If you're not going to be at, you know, in Disney, like a Disney or like Kiss Me Orlando, um, Anaheim, like it's not, it's not applicable. And I was like, ah, whatever. I'm going to try it anyway. So I try it. And I literally, one of the biggest newscasters in the area, he found out about it. He stayed there twice now. People love it. And this house, um, initially, I think I bought that one for like 270. Um, and it's making, it's on track to make over a hundred thousand in its first year. And with that, um, comparative to the other properties that were making 60,000, I'm way up percentage wise. That's a major margin. There is no data supporting that I would make a hundred grand on this, but I created it because I was a better host. If I just focused on buying, you know, it was still a good deal. Even if it made, even if it did make 60 grand, it still would have made money. I still have been happy with it, but I've exceeded that because I'm an excellent host. When you have excellent design, excellent management, you can do things no one else can do. And that's, and that's where I think people screw up. They get, they get scared. They get, they cheap out on doing like a nice job. I, I say they do the college dorm room fi- finish where they put like, <laughs> it just like, there's the little plastic black lamp in the middle that, with, that shoots up, you know, like everything, it's like, everything just looks like a college dorm. If it looks like a college dorm, if you have 12 inch by 12 inch photos on the wall, it's not good. Be immersive, be intentional, Make it something where people would, or anybody would walk and go, damn, that's a nice spot. That's what you want. Hmm. So you want to be creative and have fun with it. And um, yeah, like you said, be a good host. So some people come in into it with the idea that like, I'm just going to buy this property, put it up on Airbnb and then bam, passive income, baby type of thing. That's kind of and, and where some, you see they go wrong. Some get lucky. Don't get me wrong. But like, if you're it also com- depends on how densely competitive that market is. If you're in an area where there's 50 plus Airbnbs in that city, that's a very competitive market. So you got to come in there. Like I call it the enemy method. You look at like going research, like 20 of those properties, like, you know, look at a, look, scroll through a third of them, see, see what's available, see who's getting 4.7s or higher on their average rating. Right. Read the comments. When you're reading the comments, you get to see why people liked it. You're actually getting their opinion of why they like that property. And if you emulate the things that got those positive reactions in your property, now you can at least compete with those people that are currently there, presuming you do a similar rehab finish job if you're doing rehab and at least the similar design job and management. Um, the biggest complaints I always see when you read through those compliments, those, uh, those comments are, they're, they're not maintaining it uh, as cleanly as it should be. So it means your cleaning team sucks. Um, or let's say um, the communication was subpar, meaning they're not responding within minutes and getting the answers that they need. Like maybe they're having trouble getting in. And let's say you're stuck out of the house for an hour because the host didn't respond. You'd be pissed. You'll never want to stay there again. Right. 
Um, and it is what it is, but it's like, you have to be present for those check-in times and those checkout times. If you have the systems automated, like we do, we make sure everybody's getting in. If they're not getting in, we show them the way to make sure to get, they get access to us. If there's ever an emergency situation. So they get responses within minutes rather than like hours. So if somebody was out there thinking about doing their first Airbnb short-term rental thing and they didn't want to make the mistake of not being a good host to begin with, what kind of time commitment should they expect to be able to make sure that, you know, they do it right? Starting off, I think there's I think there's a pretty it's it's it feels significant, but when you have when you have it mapped out, which we can do, um, it's not that bad. Um, I'd say you're going to need at least, aside from the furnishing setup design portion, you'll probably need at least five hours of computer time to really get it dialed in, you know. And if you, once you're good at it, it takes about an hour and a half. It might take you ten hours. Like five hours, what per week or day no, or whatever time for, for your first setup, and then because because you got to get all your um, your tech. Um, connected to each other so you can communicate and be effective with your messaging and your cleaning team and your maintenance team, things like that. But when it, once it's up and running your weekly commitment, maybe it may be condensed two hours a week and it's going to be kind of like, like friends texting you and you know, most people are checking in on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're checking out Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So it's like, you know, it's that. And then once you get to scale, it becomes a lot. Your first two or three, though, you can totally handle that while working a full-time job. And typically, by the time you're up to five or six, you should probably, if not sooner, um, you should be looking for you know an assistant. And we can actually help with that. We actually help people set up their first virtual assistants. We do an interview process for them now, too. Fully integrated. <laughs> So you teach people like the systems and everything so that they can scale, you know, beyond like four or five properties or whatever up to where you're all the way where you're at and where you must have, you know, VAs and systems, automations, et cetera. I specifically teach people to aim for 10 properties off the bat because what I see a lot of the coaches out there do is they teach you how to do one and then you get stuck. And because you didn't approach the first one with the folk, it's like, um, Let's say, let's say uh, you're about to have people over for dinner and you invite one friend and you're like, all right, hey, no problem. I'm going to cook, throw some, I'm going to grill some food up and we'll, we'll, we'll eat over. I'll see you when you get here. And then before you know it, um, they show up with three other of your buddies and you're like, oh my God, like I went from two to five people I'm cooking for, right? Won't that change how you were cooking and how you like did your grocery list initially? If you had gone to the grocery store, got all your food for five people versus the two you would have been more prepared. You would have been more efficient. So my my the way I teach it is I go, you're going to get it, get to 10 or more. This is how we train you to get ready for 10 or more. And at that point, once you do get to 10, you've done it in a, such an, a more efficient way. You can do it way more efficiently than I did because that's what we teach you. We'll give you our scripting. We'll teach you how to input all your automated messaging. We have a standard operating procedures for like how to teach your, your VAs how to do what they need to do so they're not constantly bugging you. Um, and even like there's like there's bedside manner involved in teaching your VAs how to do that, the American style, because if you're hiring from oh, the Philippines, yeah. India, South America, how they communicate is very different. They're all good. They all can be good, especially if you train them properly. But Philippines are very um, – if you have a VA from there, they're te- typically a lot more um, submissive. And sometimes yeah. you need to be a little bit tougher on your guests that are you – know, some of them just BS you. Like straight up, it happens. So you got to like, you got to go, Hey, 
this is when you should be submissive. This is when you need to be more didactic. You know, you go, hey, I need you to be more aggressive with this and say, hey, we didn't screw that up. Like, I understand you misunderstood this, but this is how we're going to fix it and make sure everybody's good moving forward. They might say, oh, it's our fault. It's our fault. We'll give you a, a refund. You can't have somebody like that ignorantly saying that because then you're going to lose a lot. So there's a, there's a balancing act to all this. Sure. So what do you think is a, a reasonable amount or of capital that one would need to have saved up in order to get started in this? I say for somebody going solo, um, I'd be looking for, I think somewhere between 40 and 70, depending on what your area is, um, is a really good start. Now, if you have somebody that you trust and really want to grow with, um, you can cut that number in half, you know, partner. I'm huge on partnerships. I know it scares a lot of people. I've done a lot of partnerships. Not all of them worked, but most of them do. Most of them do. And the cool thing is when you buy a house with a partner, worst case, you sell it. That's it. You sell it. You're back <laughs> yeah. to really, relatively even. Maybe you lost your furnishing cost. Or um, maybe you can buy them out or something. Exactly. Yeah. There's so, Now, if you're buying commercial assets, that becomes way more challenging. Or you're building mm, an operational yeah. business, which this is bordering on. But your one property, one Airbnb is, is not that. But one, one pro tip, never buy – never partner with somebody – that's not willing to get to 10. Like you need to make sure they understand scale. You don't try Like we're going to try one and hopefully it works. If hopefully it works right. is all they have to say after that. That's a bad partner. You need somebody that goes, if this works, this is how we're going to go. We're going to keep going. Come hell or high water. We're going to find money. We're going to make money and we're going to keep doing this. We're going to be committed to each other and the, the goal, because, you know, even some of my best friends, we were able to buy a couple of properties together, but you know, at some point somebody can't keep up. And it's not their fault. It just might be the job and, or whatever they, they picked or maybe life changes. Um, I'm still glad I have those properties with those partners. But it makes it to the point where the the partnership will get relatively stagnant and becomes a little tougher to grow. So pick people that you can grow with. And even if you don't pick the right person off the bat, that's okay. Because you gained 100% of the experience and decision-making powers of understanding how that asset can work. And you only had to pay half of the buy-in. So it's still worth it when, even when you're partnering, I think, um, you know, you know, Mr. Beast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, he had, I, I'm going to butcher this, but he said something like, pretty sure it was Mr. Beast. Um, he's like, it's better to have partnered with five people than to have gone it alone on one thing because you still gain that same level of experience. Maybe not, maybe not exact same. Maybe it's like a percentage of that. Uh, not, but it's not 20%. That's for sure. Like we get 80% because you were still a part of all the decision-making um, at that point that went into that becoming successful or, or, or unsuccessful. But, and, mm -hmm. but you're able now, if you're able to do that and you're able to scale potentially three to five times faster because you had partners, you get that many more at bats with understanding how to hit the ball. Right. For going back to like uh, baseball analogies here, like you need more at bats to figure out how to swing, how, how to read the pitch, uh, things like mm -hmm. that. So, but if you're only going you're up, there, more you're reps that way. Yeah, more reps. The rep, the reps yeah. teach, man. I'm telling you. Even if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I could. So, I, have I, you noticed that when people do this, that they are using partners, or or do you see most people go alone? I think most go alone, but yeah, the ones that go alone do not scale as fast, and that is a high percentage. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, oh, we got one and now we're stuck. And that's like, that became the big crux of why I try to teach things differently. I don't want people to, uh, getting stuck 
it's no good. It's bad for your own morale. And then you lose your excitement to continue to drive forward. Right. So we have to find ways to get creative. You start telling yourself like, oh, this doesn't work like to, you know, to get to this level or whatever. Like, it kind of reminds me of that cliche saying about if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Yep. It's kind of the, that kind of idea. And it's, I think that you're you're right about that. Like clearly you can put in more reps and get more properties, see what works and what doesn't and get better and scale faster if you, if you do have a partner. But unfortunately, I think, that partnerships like business partnerships get a bad rap because it, that's just the reputation that they have. Like there's like that negative connotation there. So um, have you found it per- hard to find people or has it not been when you were coming up? I mean, obviously it's probably super easy for you now, but like w- when you were just getting started, it sounded like you had a couple different partnerships. Was it hard to find people? Did some people turn you down or did, did you have no problem? Um, such a good question, man. Um, I definitely, it's funny. I'm pretty confident I got turned down by a couple, but I hardly remember them because if I had focused on that, I wouldn't have found the ones that did say yes. Right. And it's like, you know, uh, I saw another thing recently. It was like, like you get, get 20 no's and that you're, you're, but your 21st is going to be the yes. And now you're going to be a millionaire. And it's like, just get your nose, get your reps in. Right. And my first partner ended up being my buddy, miles. We're still friends to this day. This is eight years ago. That was, that was my first property we bought that I was telling you about with the partnership on that one. And it's funny. He's had two partners his whole life. Um, he who shall not be named cause he's a jerk and he is a thief. <laughs> Um, and he had me and he's like, he's like, I literally had the yin and yang of like partnerships. And he's like, it makes me hard to want to continue. I was like, well, dude, like which business has done best for you? He's like, in the long run, overall, it's been you. I'm like, then never, don't start saying no. Now you had one bad one. Could you spot a snake in the future a lot better? Could you protect yourself from that snake now? He goes, absolutely. I was like, dude, then stay on it. Now, um, you know, he's, he's, earned multimillionaire status at this point. Um, it's like, even like, even the guys that end up crushing it, they've been burned. They had moments for like, Oh my God, my yeah. world is collapsing. And my first operational business, I had two partners. One was a snake. Um, he, <laughs> he made it really easy to, to buy him out. I, I think I bought him out for like pennies on the dollar because I proved that very easily. Um, cause I just showed the bank ledger to our attorney. I was like, he stole all this money. And he was like, well, that, that, that kind of easy. simplifies that. And I've had that. I had one property management partner. Um, he stole almost every one of our accounts. And he wrote an email why he did it. And I go, so you just admitted in writing that you stole all these things. So it's like I've had these people. Snakes come out, man. But snakes get theirs. I'm telling you, man. Like, come one way or another, they get theirs. And But if I if every time I got bit by a snake, I didn't keep, like, enjoying the journey I would not be here today. I am so pro partnership. It's, it's crazy. That's exactly why the partnerships have a a bad rap is exactly what you're describing, what you've experienced. Right. It reminds me of something that Alex Ramosi said about, you don't want to let a bad decision burn you twice. Once when you made the decision, but again, when it prevents you from making good decisions in the future, because now you're, you, you feel burned, you're closed off. And like anything that in life that's worth doing, you, you have to be able to persist in. 
right? And that that's a hundred percent the case in business. Like oh, yeah. you you're going to run into bad partnerships. You're going to run into failures in business, but it's worth it to keep persisting. So, um, when you were talking about partnerships and, and all that, a couple of thoughts popped into my mind that I wanted to ask you about. And that is the idea of location essentially. So first of all, do you think it's a better idea to have short-term rentals like near you as opposed to like far away? And then secondly, what are your thoughts on partnerships that are like local versus long distance? Brandon, those are great questions, man. Um, so it's funny. I, I started doing my more long distance ones in the last year and a half um, for my for my properties. They they did require new levels of trust and um, business changes operationally to to be successful. But I will say, one of them is now my highest earner. Um, and out of all my properties and it's been very much worth it. Um, it's funny, man, even like how we underwrote that to make sure it would be a successful property. We didn't do it the same way because we actually, this is kind of one of those funny things. We fell in love with the house so much that we said, even if it doesn't make money, if it breaks even, we want this house because we just love that house. And now it's rented so damn often we don't even get to use a thing. So it's like it's it's kind of crazy. It kind of goes back to find something you love or are so passionate about that it will work. Like something that even if it's a break even because you're renting it sometimes and you're there the rest, it can work like that. And it, I have a I have a few friends that have partnered like that. Well, they've bought properties with that mindset and they are raking it in. I mean, some of them are making 15k net per month off of three properties and which is like 5k averages you know and it's like that and they followed their heart that's i know that sounds just ridiculous like <laughs> there's no science to that but there is a science to that because some people that's how they pick and choose the, how, where they want to stay they want the experience they're experience driven and i think as for partnerships i did my first out of state um we bought a, a boutique hotel in california and that was that was my biggest expense ever. And it's been tough. I'm not going to lie. Like this one's been a tough property. Um, Cause it's right in the desert, right near Joshua tree where they do like Coachella and stuff. Um, and Coachella was amazing. We made so much money for Coachella. That was great. But <laughs> that being said, um, it's the freaking desert. And when it's summertime in the desert, nobody wants to be there. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, understanding the highs and lows of the seasonality has been tough, but partner wise, we had one local partner there, um, and he's done a great job and I'm really glad we have him. Um, he's, he's really tried to like make sure that thing runs as best as it can, but it's tough because we thought we had more buffer money coming in, um, from another partner that was waiting on a refi, the refi didn't pan out. Um, so we became a little cash grid locked on that. That was, so it's kind of, this is not a bad partnership. This is just a challenged partnership right now. So I either have to make a decision to bring in the money to, to offset that partner. And this is, this was the biggest deal I've ever done, right? I wanted, I knew there was risks. I knew there was unknowns, but I wanted to push myself just because I've had so much, like I've had a lot of success, but I was like, I wanted to make, I want to prove that I can do hotels now. So that's where I'm at. But when it comes to like, picking and choosing those partners. I know I'm being very vulnerable with these stories and telling you like what's going on, but no, I think these are great um, examples. 
Yeah. I, cause I don't want to be the guy that's like, Oh, all I do is win, win. You know, I'm not DJ Khaled, you know, like, <laughs> I, but I, I'm, I'm a real guy. I've had, you can't have this many that have been successful and I've had a few that didn't. And with this property, um, the other thing is the, the drug use is incredibly high. Um, like the heavy stuff in the desert. And because of that maintenance and cleaning staff has been, a, we've actually walked in on them doing it in the rooms. I'm like, you're supposed to be cleaning. Like you're doing this in here, get out, you're fired. And they're like, so it's like, it's been tough, man. It's been tough. But I, I'd say the good news about long distance partnerships is it all comes down to the relationship. If you guys have excellent communication, you promise that you're going to work through all the hard stuff. Like you can't run. If you, if you, if they, if, if you ask them like a good few questions, ask a partner and say, things get bad. We don't we get pissed off at each other. Are we still going to be able to talk on the phone and not like send each other to voicemail? Is that, is that something we can do? If they say yes, that's a damn good sign. Like, like treat each other, like, you know, be, be a grown ass man for all I could say. I don't know what else to say. Just like handle your shit, you know, get on the call, do what you got to do. Um, and if you do that, I think you can get through a lot and then just make sure that generally before you get into these partnerships, you have all the logic talks. Okay. Okay. Let's say we're light on money. Let's say we have a really good, good month. Do we take out all of our net cash flow for that month? No, keep money in that bank account for buffers. Cause there's going to be highs and lows. You always need to plan for that. Not mm-hmm. like my January Well, January is historically one of the worst months in, in Michigan and July is historically one of the highest. I made three times the money in July that I did in January. So it's like in January, we were break even, made some profit on some properties, but this month we made a lot of profit and that's great. But it's like, if I acted like everything I make is going to be consistent from here on, that would be foolish. I need to be prepared for all that. And most of my partners Actually, at this point, all my partners understand that you don't, you always leave buffer funds for, you know, broken items. Uh, maybe your HVAC goes, you know, maybe your AC doesn't, you know, needs to get new Freon when the spring starts up, summer starts kicking in. Um, roof repairs, hot water tank repairs. Though you, you need at least a few grand in the bank just for those oh shit moments. Yeah. So, Matt, if somebody, if listening to this aspiring dadpreneur is interested in getting started in real estate and they, they want to find out more about what you do and everything, um, where's the best place to find you? Hey, thanks for asking. Um, check out, uh, if you go to my Instagram, um, that's probably the easiest way. My broker, Matt, M-Y-B-R-O-K-E-R-M-A-T-T. Uh, go there. And in my LinkedIn bio, you should be able to see um, my my stand store. It's going to have a link to my application. Or if you just want to be in my email list and see more about what I'm talking about, you can be a part of that. Um, I send out uh, properties every week of things that are good buys in our in Michigan, um, and I send out little tips and tricks. And just follow me for more more info if you're trying to just get deeper into that idea of. You know, vetting if short-term rentals, mid-term rentals, or long-terms are a good asset class for you to get into. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Guys, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about getting into real estate, which you should, because real estate's amazing. It's, uh, you know, there's a reason why so many people like it and it makes millionaires out of so many people. Um, check out Matt and check out his stuff. And if you're thinking about making the leap from employee to entrepreneur, sounds like a pretty good way to me. So please join us, join me, join Matt, make the leap from employee to entrepreneur, and we'll see you on the other side. Thanks, Brady.